Every time we turn on the television or listen to a podcast or uh, read something on Facebook or Twitter or one of the other social media, we're always hearing about success. Somebody wants to make you successful. I have to ask the question, though, is that the intent of what God meant when he talked about success in the Bible? Today, we're going to talk about a man of God and how he found great success doing what God wanted him to do in obedience. That's today on the audio study guide for Northwood Baptist Church. Welcome to the audio study guide for Northwood Baptist Church. My name is Trey Rhodes. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood, and glad to have you along. If you're listening because you are one of our Life Connection Group leaders, you are more than welcome to come be a part, and we're excited to have you along. But if uh, you have stumbled upon us or somebody has told you to take a listen to our audio study guide, we're in Genesis chapter 24 today, and we're going to be going over that in our Life Connection Groups. If you're looking for a Life Connection Group, you certainly can come to Northwood Baptist in North Charleston, South Carolina, and we would love to get you in a place where you can get connected. Well, we're in Genesis 24, and we're going to do like we always do, is we're going to go briefly over the message, and then we'll get into the discussion questions that will help you in your Life Connection group. Now, my challenge to you is to, is to make sure that you do a good job of keeping the interest peaked when someone... Uh, wants to be a part of the discussion and bring, bringing up things and moving the discussion along. But also, we don't want you to forget the importance of examining the text because that's what we're here for. We're here to minister to one another, and fellowship with one another, and we're also here to study the Word of God. So, spend a little bit of time on the honesty time, get them talking, and then jump straight into examine the text, and you'll find a great opportunity to really help people deepen their walk with Christ and deepen their walk uh, that they might know the Word of God. Alrighty, we're in Genesis chapter 24, as I said, and we're going to be talking about finding success in what matters most. Now, I was the one who preached this sermon, so I'm going to try to give you a brief rundown and then jump into the discussion questions. Uh, talked a little bit about my wedding, Kelly's and my wedding, and how important weddings are, and that's what this whole thing is about. Abraham is getting old, and in in the process of getting old, recognizes that for everything he has to pass on to his son, in the Near Eastern culture, his son should be married. So he sent his servant, his, his uh, household servant, the household servant, to his, uh, the place of his own people for the purpose of finding a wife for his son Isaac, the promised one. Genesis 3.15 is what this is all about. It is about uh, fulfilling the prophecy that one day someone would come, the seed of a woman, who would crush the serpent's head. This is the fulfillment, continuing fulfillment of that promise and prophecy of God. So Abraham has to make sure that the line continues. And so before he passes from this life to the next, he wanted to do everything in his power to make sure that that was happening. So here's Abraham, he's old, he gets Eliezer, many people think, most people think that this is Eliezer, the one who was in Genesis 15, supposed to uh, get the uh, whole household to himself, and then 
the idea was that he would continue the line. God said, oh no, we're not doing that. And then that's when Abraham began to look for other ways for that to happen. And, and that was because uh, he got the handmaiden of his wife, Sarah, who gave Hagar to him. And then uh, that child was born. And in the birth of that child, God said, no, it's not that child either. It was gonna, it's going to be a child out of your loins. That is out of Abraham and Sarah uh, specifically through them. So this is the Eliezer, the household uh, manager that was a part of Abraham's life, who was actually born into Abraham's household as a slave and was going to be given the entire household. Well, this is Eliezer, the one that goes, and he goes some 600 miles from the bottom, uh, actually below the bottom of Israel, in the Negev Desert, all the way up through Israel, and then down between uh, Iraq, Iran, excuse me, the Iraq-Iran area, and what today would be modern-day Turkey. And right up in there is what they call the Fertile Crescent, the Ur of the Chaldees. And that is where Abraham was from, and he wanted to, him to get a, a bride for his son from there. Now, of course, uh, Eliezer decided that he would do that. He doubted it first, but then he... After he doubted, he began to, by faith, believe that this man who had done so much in faith, Abraham, that he could trust him. So he takes off. And in the process, he on, on the way there, he's about there, and he begins to pray. And we find that he takes 10 of his master's camels with all kinds of master's goods in his hands, and he goes to Aram Neharim near Nahor's town. And at the evening, the time that women came out to draw water, he made the camels kneel beside a well outside the town. Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed, make this happen for me today and show kindness to my master Abraham. I am standing here at the spring where the daughters of the men of the town are coming out to draw water. Let the girl whom I say, please lower your water jug so that I may drink, and who responds, drink, and I'll water your camels also. Let her be the one that you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my, my master. Before he could finish speaking, the very next verse, before he had finished speaking or praying, there was Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. So this is all in the family. He goes back. He finds Rachel, uh, this, uh, the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor, coming with a jug on her shoulder, this, this daughter of hers. And the girl was very beautiful. So she was, uh, was drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, she was a, a pure girl. She was a virgin. No man had been intimate with her. And so she goes down to the spring, and not only that, she's a hard worker. She tells him immediately, then, how about you get some water, and I'll water all your camels. Now, I talked today about two camels, and that was for simplicity's sake, but we find out earlier in the passage, and I'm bringing this up now, that there were ten camels. So she would have done, this would have been a long process, because she had a little three-gallon jug that she would pull out of the well to water the camels, and each camel could take as much as 20, or could take easily 25 gallons of water. So that's 250 gallons that she had to pull up out of the well. So this is a big deal for her to do this. Well, when she does that, of course, Eliezer is thrilled and he gives her the nose ring and that is a big deal for them and gives her the nose ring and then doesn't stop there. He gives her two gold bracelets that were worth at least a year's wages. So let's just run even numbers or numbers we can work with 18 to $20,000 each probably more simply because they were gold and it was a much more precious metal. So then Abraham, uh, excuse me, Eliezer needs a place to stay. 
So she says, yep, you can come to my father's house. We'll feed and water the camels. We'll do all that. And in the process, they go there. And before they even sit down to eat, they start the process because Eliezer says, um, I need to tell you what I'm here for. So Laban, that's Rebecca's brother. This, is, this girl's name is Rebecca. Laban said, come you who are blessed the Lord. Why are you standing out here? I've prepared the house. Uh, she had already ran ahead and told them they were coming. Straw and feed were given to the camels, and a meal was set before him. And Eliezer said, I will not eat until I uh, have said what I have to say. So Laban answered, please speak. And he told him the story that Abraham had sent him, his master, and he has become very rich, flocks and herds. He's getting, he has all these things. And that, that Sarah, his master's wife, had borne him a son in her old age. And now Abraham has given Isaac everything he owns. My master put me under this oath. He says, you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live, but to go to my father's family and to my clan to take a wife for my son. But I said to my clan that uh, take a wife for my son. But I said, excuse me, I said to my master, suppose the woman will not come back. And he said, the Lord before you whom I've walked will send his angel with you and will make your journey a success. There's that word success. And I want to stop and talk about that word success for just a second. Success is not money. Success is not resources. Success is not power. Success is not getting elected to a position. Success is not uh, having a big house or having the right education or getting a doctorate. Success is finding and doing the will of God. If you stand in the center of God's will, finding and doing his will, you will have success as a believer in Jesus Christ. You can work, as I said in the sermon, you can work in the backwoods of nowhere where no one ever knows your name. As a matter of fact, there are people that are in heaven today that we will meet once we get there who have, who have worked in obscurity all their lives, and God looked at them and said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of my kingdom because they worked inside the will of God, and that's what mattered. For everyone in your Life Connection group, you need to tell them that's what matters. It's not looking good. It's not being rich. It's not having everything we want. It's not going to all the right schools, and it's not having the right job. That's not success. Success is found in knowing and doing the will of God, period. So it is important that we find and do the will of God. So that's what the success that this servant, Eliezer, was looking for when he went to find a bride for Isaac. The success was finding the will of God. That was when he went after. In your life, it's the same thing. You go after and find the will of God. All righty, well, let's jump into the um, little bit of the, not the discussion, the application points, and help us kind of figure out exactly what we need to do with this passage. If all this is the case, and you might want to read a little bit more, read a little bit less, it's up to you, but there are four applications that we can take from this passage of Scripture, and we're going to concentrate on verses 50 to 67. First of all, we find this. Obedience builds the foundation for success. You see, if we are going to be successful, we've got to learn, we've got to be those obedient servants of God. We've got to do what God says, when God says to do it, with the right heart attitude. Think about it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 even tells us that Jesus learned through obedience. So we must be those obedient believers, and we will learn to center ourselves in the will and the work of God. 
Our goal, what is it? That we would do what God wants. It's that simple. Obedience means we do what God wants. God, I'll do whatever you want, however you want, with whoever you want, whenever you want. The period, that's how it works. All right, number two, worship. And we find this in verses 52 to 54. And again, you can read these verses if you'd like. Uh, Abraham's servant heard their words. He bowed to the ground before the Lord. There's his worship. And worship recognizes God's hand in success. You see, if, he's, if he was going to be a success in what God had called him to do through his, through his master, Abraham, then what he was going to do was worship God and let him know it was you, God, that allowed this to happen. I prayed, you answered, period. That's how it works. God answers your prayer. You know, I'm also, we, we, we pray this. We say, Lord, I'll be careful to give you the honor and praise. But do we? Maybe for your Life Connection group, you need to say, hey, listen, you know, last time you prayed and God answered, who did you tell how, how great, good things that God had done? Worship, focus, why, does it, why, did, why is worship so important? Because worship focuses us on God's character. You know, we worship him as the holy, righteous, pure, faithful one who has never, who has never left us, never forsaken us. You worship first, and it focuses you on who God is. And then second bullet point, worship uh, focuses you on God's ways. It's not just about God's character, although that's the big part of it. It's also about seeing how God works. When you saw that God did what he said he was going to do in the way that he said he was going to do it with the people he said he was going to do it with, boom, there it is, God's ways. Now, in your life, it's the same way. When God does things God's way in your life, things that maybe you didn't even think that he would be able to do or maybe that you didn't think he would do it that way. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Then you can say, okay, God, I believe that you can do it your way. Number three, worship focuses you away from circumstances. You know, when we, it just seems the craziest thing in the world that this servant left a place where there's probably plenty of eligible women around and went 600 miles to a place where he had never been before. He had been a slave in Abraham's household all his life, going up to Ur of the Chaldees, 600 miles away, and then somehow he has to find the right woman. That's when you depend on, upon God. Not the circumstances, because circumstantially it looked like an impossible task. But with God, all things are possible. What's our goal? We develop a grateful heart. So we say, God, I know that you're in this, and when, you, when God accomplishes it and we, we recognize that God did it, who do we thank? Whether it's getting a parking place or whether it's being healed or whether it's uh, finding the job that you, you felt God wanted you to have or the ministry position or whatever it is or going to the mission field and seeing God do miraculous things, all those things point you to God, and then you say, God, only God, only God, and that's what gives you a grateful heart. Number three, timing directs God's plan for success. It's interesting in this passage, and I don't have time to read it, but they do all this, and then they say, hey, listen, why don't y'all wait 10 days? Eliezer wasn't for that. He didn't want to wait 10 days. They wanted him to her to wait, then you can go. So he responds to them, do not delay me, and this is what I like, since the Lord has made a, my journey, there's that word again, a success. He knew that God was in it. He knew that God's, that not only was it what he said he would do, but it was the timing involved. The time he went up there, the girl was at the well. The girl was at the well. This beautiful, pure, hardworking woman was there waiting for him. So in our lives as well, timing is a big deal. You know, we, also, we, we have often said, strike while the iron is hot. 
Make hay while the sun is shining. All those things have to do with timing, right? And God engineers circumstances in such a way many times that if we wait, those circumstances won't be there. I can, I can tell you story after story where God did a work that if I had waited just a few more days, it wouldn't have been available. But God did a work because I was willing to do what he said when he said to do it. That's when I told the story of this man coming up and sharing, and I was able to share, his name was Michael, down in downtown Boston and share the gospel with him. We happened to be in the right place at the right time. And God worked, right? So our goal is that we take advantage of God's timing. You see, our timing can be off. God's timing is never off. He's an on-time God. All right, number four, submit willingly to your master for success. You see, it's all about submitting to the master. That's how he started, was by saying, okay, I'll do what you say. I don't know that I can do it. And if I can't, I guess you've given me an out. But I want you to know, master, I'm going to give it my dead level best. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it willingly. You're not going to force me as a slave. I'm doing this because I want to do it. Our goal is that we recognize who our real master is. You see, he recognized that Abraham was the real master, that he needed to listen to him. He didn't need to say, well, get somebody else. He needed to say, here am I, send me. So then we have to ask the question, if that is recognizing who our real master is, we have to ask, who is that master that is driving us? Is our master our career, our friends, our money, our pleasure, our leisure, our power, whatever it is? You know, and you can let your life connection group, maybe they want to say what they put in that blank, your whatever. You just fill it in. That's what God's doing. So real success can only be found in your real master, Jesus Christ. And just like when they came back, and I love the end of the story, when they came back at the end of the story, and Rebecca sees a man walking across the field, and she gazes at him. She gazes at him. And she says, they said, that's the master. For the first time, Isaac is now called the master. The, the transfer has taken place, and Isaac is now the master, and Rebecca becomes his wife one day jesus is coming in the eastern sky our master is coming look to the eastern sky look for the master so that one day he will say to you well done good and faithful servant you know take you and me as his bride to live with him forever Alrighty, let's jump into the questions. Honesty time. Uh, we, I, I would recommend you do this. Joshua one eight is a good passage of scripture to read. Um, it talks about how how important success is. I will give you success. And then I asked the question, what is the foundation of your success intended to be? And obviously, the answer is the Word of God. Is knowing what God wants you to do, telling you know, getting the Word and and doing that. Number two, what would your be your everyday definition of success? Now, some of them are gonna. If they've heard the sermon, they're probably going to get this close to right. But anyway, maybe maybe reword it in such a way that says, what are other people's idea of success? And they can kind of plug in. Um, and then you might want to use number three as well. What would you say success looks like to people you know? And there, there you go. You can tie those two in. All right, let's examine the text. Now, uh, you do need to get out your Bible. And uh, we need someone in Genesis 15 and Genesis 24 as well. And we have Genesis 15, 2 with Eliezer and what was going on there. And then Genesis 24, 2, uh, where 
Eliezer is there. Why was Abraham's servant more than likely Eliezer of Damascus tasked with finding a bride for his master's son? Well, the answer is, is relatively simple. He was tasked with that because he was the household manager. It was his job to make sure that the household went on, and Abraham trusted him. He was, interestingly enough, he was the one that was going to be, remember we talked about this, he was the one that was going to be the, uh, the, um, the one who received everything. If there was not a son, he was going to be uh, the heir of Abraham's wealth and his home and his name and everything else. He would be his adopted son. And now this man who was intended to be the one who would take over now goes and finds the one who would take over. Isn't that cool? That's God, isn't it? Was there anyone more likely to speak for his master? Obviously, the answer is no. There is no one. Uh, he trusted him. He knew that this was exactly who needed to go. All right, Genesis uh, 24, 3 through 4. Um, when you jump back up there, this is the section that has to do with um, Abraham insisting that the bride had to come from, uh, not the Canaanites, but had to come from her, the Chaldees. And the question is, why was Abraham so insistent that a bride be found for his son among his own people? Well, obviously, he didn't want the idolatry and the other things that were going on. He didn't want idol worship to be brought into, his, into the lineage. Uh, certainly, he, he thought that there was a better chance that they would find someone more like Sarah and than it would be someone that was just totally pagan. And that's what he was dealing with with the Canaanites. I mean, go back and look at Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what was going on. Uh, why would the Canaanites not make a suitable wife? And we talked about that, the, the impurity and the um, idolatry and other things that were going on and uh, marrying outside the, the, the plan and the purpose of God. All right, number three, read Genesis 24, 50 to 51. What words came out of the mouth of Laban that have a surprising understanding of knowing and doing the will of God? Isn't it interesting, Laban, who he, he's really, if you think, uh, later on we're going to study about Jacob, but if you think Jacob's a schemer, Laban is even worse. And we're going to find that out when we get to Laban. But here's Laban, and he says, why do we even have to discuss this thing? Why do we have to even discuss this thing? Look at verse 50 and 51. Um, let's see here. Jump to it. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We have no choice in the matter. Rebecca's here in front of you. Take her and go and let her be a wife for your master's son, just as the Lord has spoken. Now, here are these two guys. They really didn't know much about the Lord, but they were willing to go ahead and submit. It was just so obvious to them, obviously, and there was a lot of money involved, too, uh, for, their, for, their, for their sister and for their um, uh, daughter. So although he may have had ulterior motives in mind, how did God use Laban's word to accomplish God's will? You see, Laban was able to share... This is exactly what needs to happen. In other words, he affirmed what Eliezer already believed. And it's good to hear affirming words every now and again, isn't it? And you're going to sometimes hear those from the most unlikely of places. And that's exactly what happened with Laban speaking. And, and it's interesting that Bethuel didn't get involved in it. it it's, it's like Laban took over. And I don't know if they knew that Laban was a good uh, bargainer or I don't know what was going on. We don't know. It's obvious that he was certainly a schemer and shrewd, and maybe they thought that they would get more out of him. I don't know, but we do know that Bethuel kind of backed out and Laban took over. All righty, let's jump on and move, move through the text. 
In Genesis 24, 9, 10, 12, and 27, it says Abraham is referred to the master. And over and over again, it says master, master, master. Now, what changes in Genesis 24, 66? Let's read verse 66. And I said this earlier, but let's just concentrate on it a little bit. It says, then the servant told Isaac, uh, oh, excuse me, verse 65 and 66. The servant answered, it is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. So now he's reporting no longer to Abraham. He's reporting to his master, his new master, who is now Isaac. Why? Because Isaac now has a wife. And Isaac's uh, ministry has begun as a father. His ministry has begun as a husband. His ministry has begun at the head of this household. And now he is the new master. So Abraham is no longer referred to as the master from this point on. Isaac becomes that person. That's what changes. What was going to change for Eliezer in the household now? Well, he would no longer be answering to Abraham. He would now be answering to Isaac. That's exactly what happens when we change from the master that we were serving, whatever that was, to the master Jesus. We change allegiances. And that's if we want to be a success, we change from the allegiances of the world. And we talk a little bit about those, the, you know, the different things, power and money and resources and authority and all those things. We change to the master, Jesus. All righty, let's apply the truth. How does this account in Genesis 24 teach us where and how real success is found in your life? So we find that real success is found not in the stuff we have, but in knowing and doing the will of God, right? That's where real success is found. It's not in stuff. It's not in money. It's not in a good job, a good having a great education, all those things are, sure, they're fine. And by the way, I, I did say this Sunday morning, I want to mention that again. You can be a success and still have those things. I'm not, these are not mutually exclusive. We have men of God who are also very wealthy men, but they found and did the will of God in the midst of their job. Look at uh, the best example I know is to look at uh, Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy with Chick-fil-A, who became a billionaire, decided that he would know and do the will of God. It included having fried chicken sandwiches and serving them all over the country. And, but he always demonstrated his desire to expand the kingdom of God, to bring God the glory, to, to teach people what it meant to be a Christian and a follower of Christ and teach, God, teach God's word. He used comic books and everything else to, to do that. Uh, he would give coloring books to the kids and all kinds of things to teach them character. So he, he did the will of God even though he was wealthy. So they're not mutually exclusive. But I will say you do not have to be wealthy. You do not have to be popular. You do not have to be famous to be able to know and do the will of God. You can be born in the backwoods of nowhere and be obscure, and God still says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome to the joys of my kingdom. All right, number two, how does your worship recognize God's work in your life? Okay, what is it in your life that you need or have worshiped God for and then told people that it was all God that did this? This is what I prayed for, and that's why, that's, so, that's why it's so important to specifically express our prayers, because when we specifically express our prayers, we're able to share directly what God did, and it's easy to give him praise, because we say, God did that. I had nothing to do that. I asked God to do it, and God did it. Exactly what Eliezer went through. It was easy for him to worship, because he knew that God did exactly what he asked him to do in prayer, 
All right? Now, that recognizes God's work in your life. How can worship make a difference in you? Worship focuses us not on ourselves and our circumstances. Worship focuses us on God's character and God's ways. Right? And if we will focus on God's character and God's ways, it will change our lives. Number three, have you considered the impact of your own obedience to the Lord Jesus in your life and the lives of your children and grandchildren? See, it's not just about you. Just like Eliezer, was, this was going to continue on through Isaac, and then we, we will find later Jacob, and then Joseph, and on and on, went down all the way down to the lineage of Jesus Christ, and then the impact that had on the entire world. Your impact that you have makes a difference today for those that come after you. Steve Green sang a song one time, Oh, that all who've come behind me find me faithful. That's what we want in our lives. How would you want their lives to reflect in the future? How would you want their lives to reflect? I should have said reflect God in the future, reflect Jesus in the future. How, do, how, do, how does that look? What does that look like? Ask them. They're going to be able to answer that question. How can, you, how can your seeking to be a successful follower of Christ make a difference in their lives? When they see that you are faithful, even through the struggles, and you are faithful to God, it's going to impact their lives, right? All right, what are some goals Pastor Trey shared that you can work, in your, work on in your life? Is there one in your life that will matter the most this next year? Okay, what is that goal that you're trying to be successful in? Not that it has to do with money, but the goal of knowing and doing the will of God. What are those things that you can do? Maybe it would be, I, I need to read my Bible more this week, uh, this year. Maybe it's, uh, I need to have an opportunity to share the gospel. I want to share the gospel four different times with individuals this year. Maybe it's, I want to be somebody, I want to get involved in ministry. I want to go to the mission field. I want to I want to go to the mission field, see what God is doing on the mission field. There's lots of things, and those kind of spiritual goals as a successful follower we can do. So make sure you do that. Are you willing to prioritize that goal this year? Make it a goal and do it. Amen? All right, respond to the truth. Uh, what do you think God is calling you to do in response to Genesis 24, 50 to 67? And that goes back to what we just talked about. And then praying, of course. We're going to pray over you in just a second. How, do, how, do, how does this inform the way you pray? And then number three, how can you begin working on that one goal that can help you spiritually mature in your life? Okay, that one goal, what is it? Is it go to the mission field? Maybe you need to begin to prepare your heart and life for that right now. Maybe begin to see where are we going next year? Maybe it's I need to read the Bible. Maybe you need to get the U version and begin to look through and see, I, I want to read the Bible in a year. I want to read the Bible in six months. I want to read the Bible in three months. I just want to read the New Testament. I just want I just need to start reading the Bible. Uh, but anyway, whatever it is, do that. Maybe it's you're going to develop a prayer life, a prayer, a prayer notebook that you can write names down and you can find out where God did an opportunity uh, answered prayer and you saw him do that in an opportune moment and you're able to write a date down and you can go back time after time and say see what god did and you're able to give him worship there's just all kinds of things encourage your life connection group to do just that all right we're going to close in prayer and i thank you so much for listening and we look forward to what god is going to do uh, in your life connection group this sunday Dear Father, thank you for everyone. Thank you for them listening. I pray that you would use them as they teach the Word of God and they fellowship and they care for one another. Thank you so much for our Life Connection groups that have just really worked hard to care for others in their Life Connection group in this time of, of where we've had some surge in the, in the COVID and, and we've had to go out and minister to people and share with them and feed them and other things and, and care for them. Lord, it's just been a, it's been a tough time, but it's also been a very satisfying time as we've followed and done and accomplished your will. 
Lord, use us this week. May you touch hearts and lives through your word. And Lord, may we find great success as we know and do your will every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.